We look at, in this installment, Roe versus Wade. Could it be overturned? We're going to have somebody that is in this realm weigh in. Stick around. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Thanks for joining us. As we pick up this edition, we want to look at the intense goings on there on the steps of the Supreme Court, more importantly, on the inside. But we're going to have someone that knows a lot about this weigh in on it. Seth Gruber, thank you for joining us uh, with Unaborted. This is your wheelhouse. We want you to share with us because I know you've been tracking this and really what's going on. So uh, how do we get here in the first place of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health? from Mississippi. Yeah, so this is uh, a uh, case from 2018 in Mississippi. It's called the Gestational Age Act, and it would ban abortions at 15 weeks. Um, now, the reason why the left is losing their ever-loving minds right now yeah. is because... And they truly are. If, if they allowed the Mississippi law to stand, yeah. this would be a functional overturning of Roe versus Wade. And so... And it's still allowing it up to 15 weeks. Correct. Which, it's not an abortion ban. Yeah. Right. That's when you hear about Roe versus Wade, it being overturned, like it's done. Many people don't understand that. They That's don't understand. Correct. That's correct. And this is the most mind-blowing thing to me, that even Europe, Seth, this is, this is as, they're the most liberal, crazy people in the world when it comes to issues like this. Right. And this is just as conservative at 15 weeks as I believe the country of France. That's right. This, America is only in the company of seven countries that allows abortion after about 20 weeks, um, which... The baby can actually feel the full range of human pain by 18 weeks. They respond to stimuli and have all the thalamic circuitry in place to experience some level of sensation by eight and nine weeks, but fully capable of experiencing pain by 18 weeks. So when you kill a baby at 18 weeks, Rick, it is as painful to them, actually, Absolutely. as if I ripped your limbs off of your body. And we're among the only seven countries that allow abortion after 20 weeks, which puts us in the company of places like North Korea, for example, and China. Um, wow. So. What Which people is don't terrible, understand. terrible, terrible company to be a place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't think you'd want to put yourself no in way. the company of those countries. And, you know, we, we cast aspersions and moral judgments against these other countries, um, while we are just as bad, and in some cases worse, than the countries we criticize mm -hmm. for our genocide in America today. Mm -hmm. uh, abortion funded by the public dole through point of birth for any reason or no reason at all. Um, so what many people don't understand in the church and... Christians are largely listening to this station yes. with you, yeah. um, is that when you overturn Roe versus Wade, you don't ban abortion. So when you overturn Roe versus Wade, it just goes back to the states, Rick. And right. that's what the squishy conservatives focus their moral case on. They focus their case against abortion, unfortunately, Rick, by saying the wrongness of Roe wasn't that it called a whole class of humans non-persons. Oh, we did that before like with Dred Scott, yeah. and that it legalized their slaughter. That's not really what's wrong with Roe, Rick. What's really wrong is that it took it out of the hands of the states. <laughs> and we're a federalist system, and states should have the right to, to, to decide these matters in so their own state governments. So it's purely political rather than a human, a human rights That's issue. Right. That's right. Now, child I want Roe versus Wade overturned. I believe it's a necessary step yeah. towards the abolition of abortion. It's moving the needle. But let's be clear, yeah. like that is not the true end of justice, that's, right? That's the true, true end of justice actually wouldn't even be a constitutional amendment mm -hmm. recognizing the person or the preborn. 
Because it's already in the Constitution. <laughs> right, the no person can be deprived That's of right. the right to life. And no. we hold these truths to be self-evident. Yeah. We're endowed by our creator and inalienable rights. And among these are the right to life. Well, look, they put life first, right? Yeah. Um, and as I always say, if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. In fact, Justice Blackman in 1973, in the Roe v. Wade decision, mm -hmm. who authored it, yeah. said, and many people don't know this, Rick, he said in Roe v. Wade that if it was ever proven that the pre-born is a person, then Roe versus Wade would be moot. The decision should be overturned. He based his jurisprudence and his ruling on the fact that, the, the as he said, the term person is used in the Constitution, Rick, does not include the pre-born. So not all humans are persons. Not all humans are persons. So if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, it goes back to the states. Now, many states have state laws pre-Roe that would make abortion illegal. So hundreds of thousands of babies would be saved, yeah. but then you'd have this war going on amongst sure. the states because we would understand that our job's just begun to mm -hmm. ensure that the Constitution recognizes the preborn as a person, or rather that the politicians recognize that the Constitution recognizes the preborn as a person right. and that their right to life has to be protected from the moment they're a human being, the moment of conception. So we can dive into more details, but that's what we're talking about. And so... Anytime this issue comes up, we have a, uh, some justices that may tilt uh, the court in a way that would uh, favor those of us who are pre-life that believe that life begins at conception right? and that as it moves forward from there. So um, tell me, there's so much cultural pressure on the court I do not know that they have the backbone or the intestinal fortitude to do the right thing. Right, right. You're watching this all the time. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And you're listening to the rhetoric, too. Right, right. I was actually encouraged by the level of skepticism that the more conservative members of the court expressed towards striking down the Mississippi law. So I'll put that in a positive terms, right? I put yeah. it in negative language. Yeah. Uh, I was encouraged with how... Um, um, much they seem to lean towards allowing the Mississippi law to stand. Now, I'm not as optimistic as some. There are many in the pro-life movement who say, Roe's done. It's like, well, yeah, but we thought Roe was done in 91 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Yeah. And never forget, Rick, we had a Republican majority appointed Supreme Court mm -hmm. in 73 with mm -hmm. Roe. Yeah. And in 91 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which affirmed the ruling of Roe. We do again now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're <laughs> um, kind of revisiting back around. That's right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm hoping that the political climate we're in um, will produce more courage than cowardice. Because in, in the type of conflict we're seeing in our country, mm -hmm. which I think is unlike anything at least that my generation has ever seen, yeah. uh, and probably yours as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to talk about Americans being at odds, mm -hmm. philosophically, spiritually, culturally, my goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and the, obviously, follow the science. And yeah. Dr. Fauci and the shutdowns has only sure. increased that a hundredfold yeah. in our country. Polarization. But, you know, in, yes, yeah. in polarization, yeah. in yeah. conflict, yeah. you either get more courage or you get more cowardice. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we've been seeing a lot of cowardice, mm -hmm. um, but I was encouraged um, with the line of questioning that the more right-leaning justices took against those who had sued Mississippi for their law. Let me add one other thing before we dive into that. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the important term for all of your listeners to remember in this whole Supreme Court case is the term viability. 
Viability is a stupid, asinine, subjective term that means when the baby can survive outside the womb um, with the help of current medical technology, meaning baby no longer requires mom to continue living. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean baby knows how to eat applesauce, obviously, but and it may yep. need to be in a neonatal unit, yeah. perhaps, but it can survive apart from the mom. Well, viability is, is not a, a indication of the status of the fetus. It's a measure of our current technology, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. in 1980, if you were born at 23 weeks, you were screwed. Mm -hmm. Today, the youngest baby to have been born and survived, Rick, and is about a one and a half years old now, is 21 weeks and three days. Well, so viability is a measure of our current medical technology, not about the status of the fetus. Yeah. But the courts decided that this term, mm -hmm. viability, carried such substantive moral weight that they would allow states to ban abortion after viability, mm -hmm. but not before. That's the important thing I need to add to this whole conversation. People need to understand that the reason why the Gestational Age Act, the 15-week abortion ban in Mississippi, would be a functional overturning of Roe versus Wade is that the Supreme Court decided in 73, mm -hmm. with Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton, the other Supreme Court case people don't know about, mm -hmm. that states cannot ban abortion after viability. I'm sorry, um, bef before viability. And they decided that that was about 23 or 24 weeks. Yeah. Um, but never before. Well, this is 15 weeks. That's way before 24 weeks. But the reason why viability is so stupid is because that's constantly going to shift and change. With so, technology. Yeah, really, it's yeah. just a might-makes-right argument. Right. That because you're weaker and you need me, I can kill you. Mm -hmm. And that is the fundamental argument for abortion. But the reason they focus on viability, Rick, is because they know that more pro-choice moderate Americans will get on board with the abortion talking points and, and the status quo of abortion um, if 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 they're only supporting it when the baby can't survive apart from the mother. Because does the abortion industry want to regulate abortion at any point? No, not at all. They, they want it through point of birth, through all nine months of all pregnancy funded by the public all dole. Um, there is no circumstance in which the left will be satisfied with regulating abortion. Mm -hmm. But still, and you heard this um, in, in the case with, um, her name was Julie Reichelman, the Center for Reproductive Rights. She was the, uh, the lawyer responsible for the, the suing the state of Mississippi against okay. the state. And she, she used this line, too. She always talked about viability is a reasonable standard to balance the interests at stake, <laughs> meaning the interests yeah. of the child's right to life yeah. and the interests of the mother's right to bodily autonomy. Yeah. But they're not interested in balancing the interests mm -hmm. of the child and the mother because abortions, they go through all nine months of pregnancy. That's right. They just yeah. use viability because they know that most Americans, even if they're pro-choice, mm -hmm don't support abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. Yeah. They don't. The Gallup poll from 2019 says that 13% of Americans support abortion in the third trimester. 13, not 13% of Democrats, right. Rick, or Republicans. 13% yeah. of Americans yeah. support abortion in the third trimester. But if you can say, hey, no, we just want abortions before viability, that sounds more moderate, yeah. so more Americans will get on board with it. So viability is the turning point in the Supreme Court case. It's key. So tell me, you said some of the, you were encouraged by some of the comments uh, uh, for some of the conservative justices. Yeah. And no doubt you were astonished at the uh, progressives that are on the panel. Do you have any examples yeah, that you yeah. want to share Well, with I us? wasn't astonished by Elena Kagan and Sotomayor. I yep. mean, these people are absolute abortion activist hacks. Yeah. But yes, I was encouraged by people well, like Amy Coney well, Barrett Well, startle me Thomas. with some of their words, because this is your realm. So you're used to this yeah, rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I hear people come out so progressive and uh, 
to take the life of a child. It, yeah. it's, it's startling to me. Yeah. And uh, so share with us some examples. Well, and I think because of a little bit more of the courage mm -hmm. of people like Amy Coney Barrett, Samuel Alito yeah. did pretty good too, but Clarence yeah. Thomas is the biggest no-nonsense justice on the court. Yeah. He is the most staunch conservative. In fact, if I had to put money down, Rick, mm -hmm. on um, the only Supreme Court justice that I could guarantee would vote to overturn Roe, it would be Clarence Thomas. Okay. Like, so it, like if, it, yeah, if, this, if, this, if this case goes 8-1, Mm -hmm. or 1-8 or whatever, yeah. the, the one will be Clarence Thomas voting to overturn Roe. I can, and he'll I'm be writing the dissenting uh, <laughs> opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm hoping we'll have more than that, obviously, yeah. but he would be the one for sure. So just for a moment, before we move on from that, you're observing these things. So if we have Clarence as the most conservative, mm -hmm. we have Justice Alito. Yes. We have... Uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh. Neil Gorsuch. Yeah, and... Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. And so, John Roberts is the lowest form of life. He is. He is. <laughs> he's not almost center. He's center left is what yeah, my yeah, yeah. assessment. They, the mainstream media talks about him as a conservative just because he's yes. expressed conservative beliefs before, but he has stabbed yeah. the conservative back and therefore the pre-born child in the back over and over and over and over, yeah. and over again. So how would you rate those as what you're, it, it, even in the dialogue that you listen to, if, if yeah, yeah. Clarence Thomas is the most conservative, who would be the next most conservative? Yeah. On this, let's just talk about this topic. Right, right. I would say probably Alito. Okay. Um, or... It's a toss-up between Barrett and Gorsuch. Okay. Brett Kavanaugh disappointed us. Has disappointed Did us he? already some. Yeah. Um, and so, in fact, um, we were really hopeful he, about him. In, in 2018, Brett Kavanaugh voted to um, not hear a case about whether Kansas and Mississippi could defund abortion, could defund Planned Parenthood from Medicaid funds. So, you know, they have to vote to hear the case first. Right. In their and, district. They're yeah. each responsible for it. And Brett Kavanaugh voted yeah. to not hear a case about two yeah. states uh, being able to defund Planned Parenthood and Medicaid funds. So yeah. I remember when that happened and I was like, oh, Kavanaugh. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I would say Thomas and then either Alito or mm -hmm. um, maybe um, Gorsuch or mm -hmm. Amy Coney Barrett. But um, they were no-nonsense with their questions, the okay. more right-leaning. Yeah. And, and so what, what's always great about that is, is we both believe that abortion is indefensible. And That's even right. the best arguments presented, mm -hmm. when subjected to the smallest amounts of scrutiny, tend to crumble. Uh, because reality tends to be self-evident. Mm -hmm. It's self-evident. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the language our founders use. We hold right. these truths to be self-evident. Right. I mean, it means duh or axiomatic. Yeah. Like, yeah. shouldn't need defending. Mm -hmm. The right to life is so self-evident that even the best abortion arguments yeah. do crumble under scrutiny. Mm -hmm. And the more conservative members of the court did um, show that level of scrutiny uh, in their questioning against Julie Rickleman, in particular, from the Center for Reproductive Rights. Yeah. Um, and so here was one here that, that I thought was really good. So Clarence Thomas asked this great question of Julie Reichelman. And he asked the question about a Missouri case from several years ago where a woman was charged with child neglect, criminal child neglect, for taking cocaine and harming her preborn child. But it was post-viability. It was after the 23 or 24 okay. weeks that viability currently is. And then Clarence Thomas said in his remarks, he said, that doesn't fit with the cases, with the um, facts in this case, because we're talking about pre-viability. But hey, Julie Reichelman, let me just ask you a question. Yeah. Um, if a woman ingested cocaine pre-viability and harmed or killed her child, do you think the state had an interest in enforcing a criminal child neglect charge against her? Is that part of bodily autonomy? So it's a very interesting question yeah, because if a woman has the right to do whatever she wants with want. bodily autonomy yeah. to use her body in a way yeah. that kills, yes. murders yeah. her pre-born offspring that or she's probably them or yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. probably responsible for for. 
um, creating because the vast majority of abortions are not performed in cases of rape. So mm. you probably created this. You got in bed. You agreed to have sex. Yeah. This baby's relying yeah. on you now. If you have the right to kill a preborn baby, Certainly you have a right to ingest drugs while you're pregnant in a way that harms but doesn't kill your preborn child. Certainly you would have that right because isn't harming a yeah. child significantly yeah. less worse than killing her? So Clarence Thomas asked this question and, uh, and Julia Reichelman just fumbled her way through the, the lexicon and linguistics of the left. I mean, she just said, well, that's different because, you know, um, it, could, it could harm her life while she's pregnant. And, and it's part of liberty and it's the 14th Amendment. It was just all the old talking points. Mm -hmm. She crumpled. She had no, re no way to, uh, to reconcile those two. Sure. That you, you do have the right to kill your preborn baby, but you don't have the right to abuse them in the womb through drug use. Yeah. But that was Clarence Thomas. Yeah. That was to be expected. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Alito just came out and asked, I, I think it was probably one of the most straightforward questions, which was, what's your best case? Samuel Alito asked Julia Reichelman, just what's your best case? What's your best argument for why the Mississippi law should be struck down. And she said, allowing a state to take control of a woman's body and force her to undergo the physical demands, risks, and life-altering consequences of pregnancy is a fundamental deprivation of her liberty. And once the court recognizes that that liberty interest deserves heightened protection, it does need to draw a workable line. And viability is a line that balances the interests at stake. Again, it's interesting because when she's saying about the interests at stake, she's talking about the baby and the mother. Mm -hmm. But they don't believe in balancing the interests of no. the child and the mother. No. The child has no interest in this regard, and she certainly doesn't want to contend for the interests of that child at all. But viability is still the key. And she said viability is a workable line that balances the interests at stake. And so that's their best case. According to that questioning, that's her best case is abortion is liberty. Um, and um, I would simply say that your liberty ends where my nose begins. Yeah. Or your liberty ends where the natural rights of another human being begin. So let's back it up. Uh, we've had you on many times with uh, Pastor Rob and different things. But for those who maybe this is the first time they're tuning in because there's a big case right now at the Supreme Court. Walk us through briefly, Seth, the history of Planned Parenthood. Uh, Margaret Sanger um, and eugenics, and how do we get here? How, yeah. how did America get here with this whole idea of Planned Parenthood? Yeah, yeah, and that that would deserve a full lecture as well. So I'll do my <laughs> brief, best to do, do it succinctly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Planned Parenthood uh, was not initially actually pushing abortions. Now, whether that was always their plan initially as an endpoint, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but initially, um, Planned Parenthood was focused on. Um, you know, contraception okay. and birth control and things mm -hmm. like this. Now, Margaret Sanger said some incredibly nasty things about how she wanted to use birth control and mm -hmm. contraceptives mm -hmm. uh, because she was a racist and she was a eugenicist. Yeah. And many of the founding board members and people involved with Planned Parenthood were part of the Population Council, mm -hmm. which was a eugenics group in America mm -hmm. that, that, that talked about, like, putting fertility control agents in the uh, wells of urban neighborhoods. Wow. Like, literally yeah. to sterilize yeah, those yeah. that they deem unfit to yeah. reproduce. So this is all part of the eugenics vision. These For those the, who don't understand <coughs> eugenics, it's, it's population control. So sterilizing the, the them. people that we deem unfit to exactly. live. Exactly. Yeah, right. the slow but gradual elimination of those that we deem unfit to live. That they're not fit for society. Yeah. And, I think it was Chesterton yeah. who said that if um, Darwinism was the survival of the fittest, then eugenics is the survival of the nastiest. Well, <laughs> Cause, yeah. can you think of a more nasty human being no. than those who 
who create hierarchies of, of who is fit to live and who isn't, and who exactly. we want reproducing in the fit race, yeah. and who we don't want reproducing in the unfit race. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just kind of sterilize you, or, or maybe we won't even tell you about it. And, and, and some of the people with the Population Council, and by the way, again, Margaret Singer and Population Council, they were like besties. So okay. the people who founded the Population Council, these were best friends with Margaret Singer. Some of them were on the board of Planned Parenthood early mm -hmm. on. Uh, and <clears throat> they talked about literally creating communities <clears throat> where they would build homes very close together. Right. Um, they would encourage people to live very close together. Uh, they, they would encourage not cleaning up city streets. And they wanted to create an environment where viruses were more likely to break out so that people oh, would get see. more sick because, you know, those Let's urban poor neighborhoods. an environment of disease. We don't really want too many of those people, uh, you know, reproducing. Okay. The people of the Population Council, they talked about these types of ideas. Wow. And we could, I could have quotes and I could go through. It's pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. Well, these were Margaret Sanger's friends, right? Yeah. So Planned Parenthood was birthed out of eugenics. Um, and Margaret Sanger famously said and talked about how birth control, um, that, that eugenics was the natural end of birth control. That's why she was using it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just so that parents could um, uh, make sure that they control their income and not have too many kids. That, no, she, she was like, no, 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 eugenics is the end. Like, mm -hmm. we don't want too many um, retarded people, mentally ill, poor, those more prone to crime. And mm -hmm. you've heard the Freakonomics argument for abortion, yeah. that abortion decreases crime because yeah. the people more likely to, uh, to commit crimes are those who tend to be aborted. And so, yay, let's kill them before they commit crimes. Um, the people who are more likely to commit crimes, um, that we don't want them reproducing. And so birth control and contraceptives become sort of the strategical end of, of eugenics. So th this is who Margaret Sanger was. She, yeah. she famously spoke at a KKK rally for mm -hmm. women. Um, so I guess it was the wives or whatever. It was the women of the yeah. KKK. She famously spoke there. It was the there. women's ministry of the KKK. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're having a That's Christmas right. tea. And she documented it in her, um, in her um, journal. journal as well. Yeah. Uh, Margaret Sanger had to flee to Europe at one point because she was going to be brought up on criminal charges for um, uh, distributing pornography and illicit materials in New York. Um, and, 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 and pushing birth control and contraception before it was legal. So she fled to Europe and she met a man named Havelock Ellis. Havelock Ellis was basically the Alfred Kinsey of Europe. So Alfred Kinsey was this crazy, kooky, sex-obsessed rapist pervert um, who believed that um, sexual activity was um, the norm in all ages. And so he wanted to prove that children um, had, uh, that children, um, had sexual rights and enjoyed sexual pleasure even as children, and he used rapists to get data um, on how many orgasms children would have in a 12-hour period as they were screaming, convulsing, and crying, and said, look, children are sexual from birth. That's who Alfred Kinsey was, the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. Okay. Um, it's still there, mm -hmm. and he wrote a book documenting all this stuff. So, and and oh, that wow. was used as the moral foundation for what we today call comprehensive sexuality education, or sex ed. Um, so, so for Planned Parenthood, right, um, sex ed is their sales funnel, mm -hmm. abortion is their product, and your daughters are their prospects. Wow. That's how they sexualize children while they're young. That all goes back to Alfred Kinsey. Well, Havelock Ellis was the European uh, equivalent of Alfred Kinsey, a sex-obsessed individual. And uh, Margaret Sanger became very close friends with him. And be they began to plan how she was going to implement her agenda, her sexual education and sexual libertinism agenda in America when she came back. Uh, and then part of the whole history of Planned Parenthood as well was how the, the abortion movement um, sort of 
attached itself to the women's liberation movement, the women's movement. Because initially, those two were separate, right? The women's movement, the old suffragettes, the early feminists, the women's right. movement, that was about right. equal voting rights right. and stuff like this and yeah. not discrimination in the workplace because you were pregnant. Yeah. Like you could be, you used to be able to fire a woman because she was pregnant, right? Yeah. It's like, well, that's not good. Yeah. So the women's movement early on was great. It, mm -hmm. Like you and I would probably have no bone to pick with the early suffragettes. Yeah, the, the, fir the first wave feminism, yeah. almost all of us agree with, hey, that's they right. should have. But Margaret Sanger was no first wave feminist. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. and, and so the, the abortion uh, movement sort of co-opted the women's movement mm -hmm. uh, to become one and the same, to push these things together. And so, that, and so that's how you kind of ended up seeing the deterioration of what was initially a good feminist women's rights movement with abortion. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then uh, in the early 70s in New York, you had people who were trying to arrange a decision that would legalize abortion at the federal level. Um, and that, the, the, uh, the famous abortionist, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, and we played a movie of that, of the Supreme Court and his story yeah. at Godspeak several months ago yeah. about Roe versus Wade. But Dr. Bernard Nathanson was responsible for that lie that, um, that tens of thousands of women were dying from dangerous back alley abortions when it was illegal. And that became one of the fundamental stats and arguments that was used to rally up political and cultural support. Mm -hmm for legalizing abortion at the federal level. Because mm -hmm. the argument was women will get them anyways, and in mm -hmm. fact they are getting them illegally, and mm -hmm. tens of thousands, mm -hmm. Rick, are dying in back alleys. Yeah. In, in reality, this he later This is an argument converted, that always keeps coming up. If he later converted to the pro-life movement. Really? And he wrote a yeah. book called Aborting America, and in yeah. that book, Rick, he says, I made up those numbers. He said, I knew they were a total false, but they yeah, were who's useful. Gonna, who's gonna fill out that survey? That's right. Right, the back alleys yeah. of, I mean. They were you, useful to serve our agenda. How are we getting that data? So that's how all this, there was another guy named Larry Later who was a sex-obsessed yeah. uh, guy who cheated on his wife, and, and he um, created basically a fake history, arguing that abortion had been legal and allowed in many countries throughout human history. And so the Supreme Court justices, history? yeah, the Supreme Court justices in 73, they actually cited him and others, another guy named wow. Cyril Means, mm -hmm. multiple times as sort of a historical credible source to justify their ruling in Roe. And it was all fake history. It was all based on lies, wow. as was the number of women who died from back alley abortions, which were mainly being done illegally by licensed physicians and done so fairly safely. Not for the babies killed, but for the mother. Yeah. So this is all sort of the history of how all this came together. And of yeah. course, Margaret Sanger, um, uh, didn't like black people, didn't like uh, yeah, she was, you know, the infirm or people mm -hmm. disabled very much. And we have people today that, that think it's their job uh, to talk about uh, population control. Um, Bill Gates talks about population control a lot. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, the, the secretary of the Bureau of Land Management um, that uh, is, was this ecology terrorist, she was charged, and she uh, was supportive of population control, and now she's in office under the Biden administration, people with this wild, uh, unbelievable background. I forgot, we, we got Justice Clarence Thomas and Alito's uh, direct questions about um, one scenario with Clarence Thomas, a creative question, very direct with Alito. We, we forgot, or I forgot, to um, ask and inquire about what about Sotomayor and some of the, on the left, were there any startling things that they came up with or you have right. any examples well, that for, they talked about? Well, for many Christians it will be startling. Yeah. I swim in these waters, so it's not surprising yes. to me. These degenerates yeah. uh, can yeah. surprise me with anything. Yeah. But yes, for the, for the common American, it would yes. probably be quite disturbing and yeah. surprising. So Sotomayor said some, some, uh, a few things that um, just goes to show 
how much she serves at the beck and call of the abortion industry. Mm -hmm. um, and these, these people are not originalists or constitutionalists in any sense of the word. Yeah. Um, they legislate from the bench. Mm -hmm. And Roe v. Wade is one mm -hmm. of the biggest examples of legislating mm -hmm. from the bench. But she lied. Um, the lies flowed about as, um, as heavy as the blood that they shed of the baby. Here's one thing she said. She said in, 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 in asking Scott Stewart, the Mississippi Solicitor mm -hmm. General, who mm -hmm. was defending the bill, yes. she said the minority of people and gross minority of doctors, gross minority of doctors, believe fetal pain exists before 24 and 25 weeks. It's a huge minority and one not well-founded in science at all. So I don't really see how that adds anything to the discussion that a small fringe of doctors believe pain can be experienced before a cortex is formed. Well, Sotomayor seems to be the only one with a missing cortex. Um, and this woman is about yeah. as follow the science as Dr. Fauci is. Yeah. I'm very fond of saying now, and you can tweet this, science is a sticker that the, la the left slaps over their bigotry mm -hmm. to disguise their true agenda mm -hmm. and keep the American public confused. Mm -hmm. Following the science is never about following facts and logic and data. Right. Science is just a malleable term that they can use to disguise their bigotry and their true agenda. Yeah. And that's certainly true of Sotomayor, because she's yeah. lying out of her teeth. Yes. Dr. Maureen Kondik, who is an expert in fetal pain, an associate professor of neurobiology and anatomy at the University of Utah, a PhD, and one of the leading experts in America on fetal pain, testified before Congress in 2017. Here's what she said. It is entirely uncontested in the scientific and medical literature that a fetus experiences pain in some capacity from as early as eight weeks. And most modern neuroscientists conclude that the thalamic circuitry that's in place by 18 weeks post-fertilization is primarily responsible for human experience of pain at all stages of life. Um, so when she says that, oh, it's a gross minority, gross, so you, a, who are you, you stupid little scientific Republican conspiracy theorist rube? Mm -hmm. Who believes that, that the baby can feel pain before 24 weeks? Well, yeah. most of the scientists, Sotomayor, you yeah. liar. Yeah. Um, she went on later, and here, here was the stupidest statement she made. Rick, she said, um, yeah, preborn babies, they're kind of just like brain dead patients, if you think about it, I, yes. if you really think about it and follow the science. Yeah. Here's what she said. She said, 40% of dead people, who if you touch their feet, their foot will recoil. There are spontaneous acts by brain dead people. So I don't think that a response by a fetus necessarily proves that there is a sensation of pain or that there is consciousness. So what has changed in the science to show that the viability line is not a real line and that the fetus cannot survive? There's Sotomayor for you. So preborn babies are just really like brain dead people. It seems to take a PhD to believe such asinine things. Yeah. And the common sense American who sees reality for the self-evident thing that it is, mm -hmm. recognizes that how stupid that is. Because that's the difference between um, not yet and no more. So meaning the pre-born child is not yet developed to the, um, to the point at which they can live on their own. They're mm -hmm. a new human being, they're still developing, their organs yeah. are growing, yeah. and their, their body parts and body and their system is starting to work cohesively for the support of the whole individual. Mm -hmm. Whereas the brain dead person is in the, mm -hmm. is in the situation of no more. Yeah. The preborn is not yet yeah. developed itself, and mm -hmm. it has its whole future in front of her. Mm -hmm. the, the brain dead person, yes. or the yeah. person in a vegetative state, is yeah. no more able to act in a cohesive way with their body parts working together for That's the right. support of the whole human being. Mm -hmm. The difference between those is so stark and obvious mm -hmm. that only someone as stupid as mm -hmm. a Supreme Court justice who serves at the beck and call of the abortion industry could ever make a 
uh, a comparison between the preborn baby and a vegetative brain dead person. But that's what she said. She said, if you poke a dead person's foot, it might recoil. Yeah. So that proves that just because the baby recoils, it might not barely be a real person or have consciousness yet. Well, it's like, gosh, I wouldn't want this woman babysitting my children. Yeah. You know, what, so. what a startling thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we look at... Um, the but this day, is how committed they are, right? right oh, yeah. That's that, the point. It, there's no world or no scenario that they are not fully committed to taking the life yep. of a child, and uh, which is, is so scary. Now, let's talk for a moment, and maybe you can, uh, I heard this a while back, there's been 62 million abortions, least, yeah. right, at least. And, um, but somebody told me this youngest generation that is coming up has a whole different view, way more conservative, than this this generation that's struggling with it is that is that so or can you support yeah the polling and data has has supported the fact that um, that each new generation has been more pro life than their parents generation uh, and and that's been true of, of millennials being mm -hmm. more pro life than their parents generation and it's also been true of Gen Z being more pro life than their parents okay. generation yeah um, so that's always I mean that's encouraging it of is course. encouraging and yeah. I think that that yeah. is due in large part to the long faithfulness of the pro life movement contending for life. Yeah. as well as the advances in technology that, that have made pictures see, yeah. of the developing fetus so obvious. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of something, um, uh, uh, the pol a pollster for the National Abortion Rights Action League mm -hmm. said um, at their 20th anniversary convention, his name was uh, Harrison Hickman. Mm -hmm. Harrison Hickman was a pollster for the National Abortion Rights Action League. And at, at NARAL's 20th anniversary convention, here's what he said. He said that... Um, uh, that the advent, the advances in technology have allowed pictures of the, of the developing fetus. Um, and so people talk about the fetus in much different terms than they did 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. They talk about it as a human being, mm -hmm. which is not something I have an easy answer on how to cure. Mm -hmm. So just a little bit of a window, guys, into how much these people hate the preborn. Yeah. You've got a pollster for the NARAL, National Abortion Rights Action League, saying, oh, nuts. Oh, shucks. Yeah. Those darn, That's one for the team, the other team. ultrasounds, yeah. darn it. Yeah. They've allowed pictures of the developing fetus, and so now the culture is talking about the fetus in different ways than they used to as a human being. And I don't have an answer on how to cure that. Yeah. Wait, it's something to be cured? Yeah, yeah exactly, because it's a problem for them. Yeah, it is. It's humanized the child and allowed the culture to see the very real humanity of the baby even in the first trimester. Yeah. And according to polling, Rick, over 90% of abortions are performed in the first trimester. Mm -hmm. and more Americans support abortion in the first trimester than in the other trimester. So not mm -hmm. only is it where they get their most money, the yeah. first trimester, yeah. but there's the most public support for abortion mm -hmm. in the first trimester. Oh, and oh, nuts. Now we can see the real humanity of the baby in the first trimester. So mm -hmm. I think that has helped shift yeah. um, each generation more towards the pro-life perspective. Um, too many of them still support abortion. Sometimes the polling doesn't line up because, for example, they'll ask them pro-life and pro-choice and it'll be 50-50, and then sometimes pro-life pulls ahead a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then they'll ask them, the, those same people, do you support Roe versus Wade? Mm -hmm. And disproportionately, people support Roe versus Wade, mm -hmm. which tells me they don't know what Roe versus Wade says. Yeah. If, you, if you tell someone, Rick, just a normal kind of dude who doesn't mm -hmm. reign very involved mm -hmm. in the politics, hey, abortion's legal through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all. Mm -hmm. most, of, most people will say, you're lying. You're a liar, Rick. Mm -hmm. I've been told by pastors and Christians that I shouldn't yeah. be lying to their congregation, yeah. and I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So most people don't know what Roe actually says. If they knew, I don't think as many would support. Uh, and then some people say, I'm pro-life, but then when asked if you'd vote to overturn Roe, mm -hmm. they don't think that we should get rid of Roe. Right. So they're personally pro-life, mm -hmm. meaning I would never get an abortion, right. but it should remain legal, right? Rick, I would never beat my wife, 
but spousal abuse should be legal. Right. It's just as asinine, right? So, so sometimes the discrepancy between the data can be a little discouraging, yeah. but I think it's obvious enough that there has been a shift. Um, that's something to celebrate, but again, we'll have to be praying over this decision yes. um, because this is the sacrament of progressivism, and they will mobilize to protect abortion unlike anything else, unlike any other um, thing that they like which they label a right. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to understand yeah. about the left. They yeah. just label their desires rights yeah. very conveniently. Uh, so gay marriage becomes a right, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, surrogacy mm-hmm. and getting the, getting someone else's baby, as mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg know, that mm-hmm. just becomes a right. Mm-hmm. Abortion becomes a right. Well, none of these things are rights. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that Clarence Thomas asked as well, Julie Reichelman. He said, where exactly is the right to abortion in the Constitution? Mm-hmm. Can you help me out? Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's uh, liberty. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 exactly, that's yeah. their argument because they view themselves as gods yeah. and they get to decide who lives and who dies and so abortion really is the greatest real uh, fulfillment of that first promise in the garden mm-hmm. that if you eat the apple and you do it my way your eyes will be open and you'll be like a god that's right so if uh, this is all plays out when do we expect a decision so, so th- they this? could release one before June but they're required to release it by June okay. yeah 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 so we so we got we six really months. Yeah. Uh, and a lot can change. So a lot of conservative pundits and lawyers and people like at ADF, for example, Alliance Defense Fund, were very encouraged um, in how the more right-leaning justices seemed to maybe suggest that they would rule and mm-hmm. through their line of questioning kind of suggest where and they're at it, in their thinking. Basically give it back to the states. Yeah. And oh, so, no, no, no. Yeah, no, there is no circumstance in which abortion is banned at the federal level through this decision. Mm-hmm. So the best case scenario is it's overturned and it goes back to the states, which is, is a bigger win than we have gotten in a long time. But it also kind of just means it's time to strap up your boots again, put on a new pair of boots, and it's time to hit the battlefield again. Yeah. Um, but um, they, they could issue a ruling beforehand. So, mm-hmm. But we need to be praying a lot uh, as the church in this uh, season because a lot can change in that time. And Supreme Court justices have been um, pressured and compromised before. Yeah. Um, so, Seth, thank you so much for weighing in on this. Uh, until next time, trying to get some good information out for you guys. Blessings. See you next time. I've seen light in the darkness. I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Now I worry about tomorrow or fear in times of trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. No
in times of trouble I'll keep my heart seeking you I will keep my heart seeking